Welcome to the Lockdown Farrier's Learning Podcast, the podcast where we discuss different farrier-related topics, subjects, and try and improve our knowledge to make us more efficient everyday farriers. Episode 10. So before we get going tonight, um, just a few things about the podcast in general. Obviously, this podcast was started up um, towards the beginning of lockdown. Obviously, a lot of the Farrier Educational events had um, been cancelled or postponed. Um, Exams, again, postponed or rescheduled. And all the education centres were closed down as well. This podcast was obviously set up. It'd been on my mind to do something like this for quite a while, but it's just time permitting. Um, but yeah, it's taken off. Um, you know, I've had a lot of support for some very, very good people. <clears throat> and um, yeah, thanks for tuning. Thanks for listening. And thank you for all the feedback. Thank you for all the private messages, all the kind comments. It makes it all worthwhile. So moving on to episode 10. Today's subject is exam stress. Exam stress is something um, which many people go through and can have quite an effect on their results or whether, in fact, they pass or fail. And sometimes those results can go on and affect them for quite some time afterwards, you know, mental state-wise. It's something I see in my job as a college lecturer. You know, you have these um, students for up to four years and, you know, you get to know them really well. And, you know, you put all, you've seen what they've been through. You want them to achieve what it is they want to do. And then when they walk through the doors on exam day, and it's like they've sent their evil tri- twin brother or sister because the exam stress has got to them and they're not going to be able to perform. Recently, the Farrier World, um, if anyone looks at Facebook, you would have seen many Farriers from all around the world have been doing 25 press-ups for 25 days, trying to raise awareness for mental health issues. Um I know when I got involved, I said at the time, but I was going to use that time to reflect and talk about different subjects. And one of the subjects I did talk about briefly um, was exam stress because, you know, it affects your mental health and it is, it is, it is a psychological thing. Um, on Off the back of that, I thought, well, actually, this is too, too big a subject to talk about in a short five-minute video. So yeah, I spoke to a few people, obviously with myself, been through diploma and associate exams in the past um, and been in this situation where I've seen many, many, many people oversit their associate diploma or fellowship of the workshop company of Farrier's exams. Um, I also spoke to an, a good friend and an ex-student of mine, Liam Evans. Um, it, Liam passed his exams last year. Um, really good student great speaker um 
very mature head and his shoulders. So I managed to rope him in. And also from an examiner's point of view, I uh, spoke to my friend, Jonathan Nunn, FWCF. And obviously John's been through three sets of exams himself, has been um, an ATF, a training farrier. His own son has been through the exams as well. And he's, again, watched countless exams as an examiner from the other side of the fence. So we sat down and we just had, we just talked about the subjects for about an hour plus. Um, <clears throat> I've pretty much left the um, audio quite raw um, because it was the kind of conversation we was having. I hope some of you who get anxious about sitting exams get a little something out of this. I um, was thinking is um, obviously when I went in for my second exam, I was kind of stressed the whole way up to it until I actually got there the morning of and I woke up and I felt good and ready about it all. And I pulled up and I was the first one there and I watched everyone come in one by one and the fear that I could see, it kind of took me back to my first time. And it's crazy how once you've experienced it the one time it takes you're just like oh this is really not a big deal <laughs> how many um exam run-throughs do you reckon you had before the first time you took your exam me oh god uh well i went to almost every one of danny's pre-dip day clinics so that was like six weeks before twice a week so I missed a week, just did 10 there, some four at the forge at least, a couple out mm. of the, on the job. Plus your block seven as well. Yeah, but obviously block seven and block eight, like all of the ones at block yeah. eight, shooting almost every day. Uh, yeah, you're pretty well prepped there. Yeah, I've got, I've got photos from them all on my phone, which I occasionally like refer back to because everything does kind of change on the day, doesn't it? Well, exactly. So, obviously, we'll start with Liam because obviously Liam Liam was the last person out of this group to sit an exam. Um, so, do you want to just talk about obviously you you sat the diploma twice? Um, yeah. I'll talk. I'll, I'll, I'll once we. Well, I'll let you go a little bit, and then um, I'll explain. I'll explain all about you. <laughs> Oh, you God. explained your first. You explain your first diploma um, experience, and then I'll explain a bit on that because there's a really good point with that as well. All right, then. you might have to ask me some questions along the way. It's like a prompt. Oh, okay. Right. Uh... So, obviously, go. Okay, go through to the go through the build up, going into your first diploma exam, and stress wise and and how you felt going into that you know when did the stress start oh, how did the God. stress affect you the stress started um back at block one <laughs> <laughs> no um i think when it really started notice i started noticing it was uh when i started making my board shoes and i got pretty obsessive with wanting them to be pretty immaculate and clean and just right, really. And I had you drumming it into me the whole time that it's simple, really, just making 10 shoes. But it's not, is it? 
<laughs> it's definitely not that easy. Um, so I, I was trying to prepare for that. I got wrapped up and finally started making them. And obviously I was revising and you're trying to fit in general work life and making fits. So it kind of all starts snowballing from sort of block seven, I guess, because you know you're so close to it all. You can taste the freedom. Um, but as I actually got into block eight, the you guys, the tutors, really set your nerves quite a bit. Everything's, you're grounded again. And they say, oh, it's not a big deal. It's easy. It's just what we've been doing for the last four years, isn't it? Yeah. So, um, trying to think what. Sorry, just trying to so, my brain. For, for those who don't, obviously, who are not based in the UK and don't know how our exams work, they do, for the, for the diploma, which is the entry level, which is at the end of the four-year apprenticeship, they get, they get to what we call block eight, which is the last two weeks um, block in college before they sit the exam. So they get to practice. It's all revision. It's practice, practice, practice. Then they sit the exam. Um, the first exam on the Friday they sit is the written exam, which is two hour, um, essay based written exam on, on, you know, the base fundamentals of Fowry conditions, etc. <clears throat> and then, um, the following week they'll sit their practical exam followed by an oral exam. Um, yeah. So written talking of the written, yeah, sorry, go on. Say, um, it's weird as obviously the written is always your first exam on the Friday. So it kind of sets you up because weirdly I was um, almost not at all stressed the morning of the written exam. Uh, I remember all my other uh, friends and colleagues in the block. Everyone was extremely nervous for this part. I guess it's because it's the starting point of the end, isn't it? Um, but actually, I think the written is a very relaxed sort of experience. It's all quiet and calm. You can sit down with yourself and as long as you've revised and worked hard for it, it, it should all be there for you, despite the circumstances. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's, it's definitely manageable. I mean, moving on from that, I mean, the, the one thing about the written exam it is a it, in exam conditions in a classroom, normally a familiar classroom, certainly for our students, but there's nothing kind of, there's no external sort of influence there. What mm. I tend to find from an examiner's point of view, exam day itself, when they do the practical exam, all of a sudden you've got a vet, two farrier examiners and a registrar from the worship company of farriers, all of a sudden, they're in the forge, they've got the white coats on, they've got the clipboards or their iPads and everything's, you know, it's not like a normal day in the forge, is it, Liam? Uh, no. As much as you like, as, <laughs> as, as much as you like to try and make it out as though it is, it, it's not really. Yeah. I say we, um, I remember back to when I worked at Myersco when I first left the army, we'd got, um, I think the first couple of exam sittings we had up there, when I worked with Mark Corwell, was we had a lot of 
retakes from Warwick and Hereford at the time. I'm going back many years now. And they were kind of our, I don't want to say our guinea pigs, but they were offered up to us to sort of like, you know, try and prove yourself as a school. And some of these guys had, had failed exams time and time again at this point. Um, and it became very, very quickly apparent that the reason they were failing was down to exam stress um, and sort of fear of failing. And I think once you failed it once, it's almost like it doubles the second time around. Um, <clears throat> so we we kind of coined this term white coat syndrome. And we'd have these guys shooing. They'd be absolutely fine. They were doing good, uh, confident, competent, um, consistent work. And then as soon as someone walked in with a white coat on, that was it. <clears throat> the whole thing would go to rack and ruin. So we, we started, and I believe Myersco College still do it, on their run up to diploma day where the tutors all put white coats on, they've got clipboards, iPads, whatever. And they try and uh, simulate that as closely as possible to try and get them used to it. And and that's a really, really good idea. And it actually worked very, very well. on these guys we were training at the time, just trying to get them ready. Drowning. That's an interesting (laughs) point. When you talk about personal experiences, everyone's, everyone's different how they handle it. And what we're talking about, to, in exam stress sometimes we think of the mental effect but often there's actually a physical in the fact that you know I, I, I've seen it and experienced it and probably not to the degree that I see some candidates but some are actually sick physically sick they're so nervous and you know mm-hmm. puking yeah sweating running to the toilet countless number of times before they start you know and um and that that all plays a big part in because we're dealing with here a physical exam. Um, yeah. you, you know, we're, if, if, you, if you're on the toilet three times and then you're sweating and and you're nervous, you're sick. <laughs> think of the dehydration as well, got which there. we don't often think about this. Like I've talked to guys where I've like, Oh yeah, I, I puked like, you know, before my exam, you know, before the examiner's meeting, I went and puked and, um, and then you're like, well, you know, just the dehydration point of view, you know, during that two-hour exam, if we're talking about the practical, which I, I've never really thought about before until until I started to talk about this. And I was talking about the, the fact that we were discussing um, exam nerves and we, we all think about the mental effect, but actually it actually yeah, manifests itself very physically. De- definitely. And I think that takes a massive toll and um perhaps we spend all this time preparing for the actual exam and when we're probably already there and prepared and ready for that and maybe we need to take the time out to you know take some preparation for the toll it's going to take on your body and your mind while you're in there that is actually what I did the second time round you don't I mean it's almost like prior to a a competition class let's say you don't you don't realize what you're going to put your body through before that you know and sometimes in an exams the same you don't realize actually what two hours of constant forging and um putting your body through it, it's it it's maximum capabilities in terms of uh this is it like two hours and this is going to shape your your future from here on you know um and you will get cramp you will get you will get a headache or you're, oh, you know you'll be sweating uncontrollably up. yeah 
yeah. And you've got to wear I mean, safety I mean, glasses throughout it, and you're going to be sweating like a like crazy. Um, you know, if you haven't if you haven't pre-planned that you that's going to happen, you know, it's going to be a shock to you. Yeah, I mean, just sort of going on that, I think there's a few good points there. I mean, one of the other things is with the dehydration and that extra sort of mental stress physically you're more likely to get lactic acid build up. Your arms are going to cramp up. Your hands are going to shake. The amount of times I've heard of and seen students, you know, because it's their final exams, they go and sharpen their knives so they're like scalpel blades. And then next minute they've cut themselves because they can't keep their hands still or worse still, cut the horse. So as an instant fail, mm. you know, so it's, it, it is something, and it's funny you say about the sort of physical exertion of, of the exam. I mean, I remember, it might have even been with you, Jonathan, years ago. I remember having a conversation. We was talking about farriers and at farrier competitions when some of these boys are really going for it. You know, let's face it, some of us out there, we're, we're not, I mean, we're shoeing fit, but we're not kind of athletic fit. We've all drunk too much beer. We've all got no, flat of there. <laughs> And, and you know, good living, could, but call, you know, call it hammer fit. We well, you've got to get yeah, hammer fit. Yeah, but you're at a competition, and you're going from. Let's face it, you don't see many farriers warming up. I mean, as soon as someone starts stretching out, but, but around the back of the anvil, people are like, "Oh, look at him! <laughs> Who do you think he is, Daley Thompson?" Um, <laughs> but you know, and it, it's something we don't think about, and we're going from zero to full out 110% effort next to a burning hot fire, trying to show a horse and, and bend bits of hot metal. I mean, it'd be interesting to see some kind of sports science kind of um, wiring some of these guys, certainly some of these bigger guys up to some computer whilst they're doing it just to see what the um, readings are. Cause I, yeah. I should imagine it's quite, you know, it's, it's, it's quite extreme. And what's the first thing you do as soon as, as soon as, the bell goes or the, you know, you shouted out, okay, you started, you get under the horse, you put your steel in yeah. the fire and you get under the horse. So the very first thing that you're doing when you're shaking and at your worst, you're trimming a foot and, you know, maybe, maybe for some people, um, I know you've got to have your trim. You should have your tri feet trimmed. If we're talking about the practical within a time limit at, you know, in the diploma, uh, mm. 30 minutes, I think. But that, I mean, you're not going to fail if you go a minute over 30 minutes. But I mean, the ideal is you you do finish those feet in the first 30 minutes. But it's often, like you say, Danny, where the mistakes are made at, in the very first yeah. 15 minutes. That well, that's exactly what I did, wasn't it? I uh, kind of the nerves took hold of me on that front foot, and um, I got a bit wrapped up with what I was doing to the hind foot because. I decided it, well, it did need some uh, lateral support on the hind. So I was yeah. obviously kind of got tunnel vision for that hind foot. And um, I had quite a broken back front foot. And uh, I just didn't really gather it enough. And I didn't take enough foot off and could have backed it up a lot more. But I guess my mind was so set on getting to that back foot and doing doing a solid job on that that everything runs away from you on your other foot then. And that, that's half my job. 
Yeah, you're chasing yeah. it then for two hours. Well, yeah. to, be, to be honest, I, I, I thought somewhere between doing the hind foot and the front foot, you put your nippers somewhere and couldn't find them, actually, Liam. Boom, um, <laughs> <laughs> boom, I'll be here all week. But, um, I mean, I've, I mean, I, again, I'm in a lucky position where, obviously, I've done diploma exam, I've done my associate exam, I've done many mocks, I've also done, <clears throat> I've seen lots of exams, and I mentioned this on a podcast the other day, I've seen so many exams since 94 onwards because I've always been working in establishments which have exams at different levels. Um, so it's great, which is, you know, I've, I've kind of seen a lot of people pass. I've also seen a lot of people fail. But obviously, again, in my position at college over the years, I've sat the diploma for like, obviously, we always do at Hereford and we used to at Myers go a pre-diploma run through where I'll be the candidate. We always get a worshipful company judging who's not judging that exam. And obviously John's been down quite a few times and examined me. Um, and I've been examined by a lot of different examiners, you know, just doing the diploma job over the years. I think I've, I worked out once I've done me diploma exam over 20 times. Nearly was you trimmed that last yet. time as well. Well, exactly. And like Nearly I say, I, I've Wait, found we felt, we felt sorry for you. You needed your glasses on that time. <laughs> it, it was pity. <laughs> a pity pass. <laughs> but, the, the, but the thing is with it, I, one thing I have noticed over all the exams I've done, it's whatever. I mean, sometimes I start on the back foot, sometimes I'll start on the front foot, but whatever foot I start on is where I lose the points because I, I wind myself up because I want to do a good job. In the same breath, I don't want to do a perfect job because I wouldn't do it anyway. But, um, you know, it, it's kind of you've got all your, your students watching you and deep down they're going, I hope you mess it up. Um, yeah. So <laughs> if, if there is pressure. You, you can see you that. Know, mm, you can smell it, mate. <laughs> yeah. but, you know, it, it, it's I whatever one I jump under first, I'm probably going to do the get the worst points for because you either over trim it or you miss something silly because you're just trying to control that stress, emotion, whatever, you know, there's, there's a lot to be said for it. Yeah. Well, what what yeah. I kind of um, picked up for my second exam was actually trimming the feet. I find I do it countless amounts of time every day as everyone does. And once you kind of get it right and you're getting it flat and level almost daily and you can just, occasionally pick up on your knife work and just sharpen everything up a bit on the foot, make it look cleaner. You, you can have that foot trimmed in sort of six minutes and then bring it forward. And then you've got time to go back to it after so, so much time to then recheck. And that's what kind of made the difference was just speeding it up, not worrying so much about it being perfect. Just, ha just has to be right. Perhaps the, the commonly seen trend is when you get to third and fourth year, you're going out shoeing probably maybe not so much with your boss uh, or your dad, or you maybe you are, but how many times do you, and I make this mistake, I have made this mistake with my apprentices as well, where, you know, in the run up to your exam, you should be daily doing a foot for prep or at least two feet, one front, one hind, pick a horse and just say, yeah, I'm going to prep these foot two feet in 20 minutes. Will you 
cast your eye over them and give me a give me a, a mark. Um, yeah, or score even them, um, you know, we were even doing that when with um, in your fourth year, apprentices. Yeah, well, yeah. um, I we did actually do that. I did start doing that more um, so for the second time round because I didn't want to be doing it again, really. So even if I was out with the other lads, I'd ask them to have a look because every eye is an extra eye to look at it, isn't it? They might yeah. pick up on something that you haven't. It's good to get disagreement sometimes because it means you're all sort of like fighting for the same goal. So I remember saying that, uh, uh, yeah, at one point. My foot trimming was letting me down. You know, it was, I felt it was a weakness. And uh, I said to a friend, you know, the, the thing that I do probably the most of, um, I feel I'm the worst at. And uh, he said, he said, you just, you're good at doing your everyday, but when you when you're doing it for an exam or a competition, you know, you've 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 got to detail and. Yeah, yeah. You, well, you revert to default, don't you? Under stress, you revert to default, and so like my default tends to be, I kind of um, always get a low spot where my left hand is on my rasp at the toe, on yeah. any foot that that left side of my hand, and so yeah. you, you go to default, don't you? So yeah, exactly. if you can get it right yeah. to start with, and just keep that there. So you're doing one a day, like you said, then that will be your default under the stress. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, or yeah, pretty close too. And that—that's what he said. Like, you, 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 your everyday job. If your everyday job was a was a seven point five or an eight, you know, then it's probably good enough. But if you lose a bit of that through exam stress or nerves, like if you lose fifteen, twenty percent of of what you would normally achieve, and you go back to default, then you're looking at you're looking at Close to scraping, yeah, yeah, We're, yeah, yeah, or six, you know, if you're looking at. But it, but again, without going on about the actual mechanics of the exam too much, I mean, one of the things I've always tried to teach when it comes to getting them trained to sit this practical exam is going back and checking, you know, going back and checking with with a fresh set of eyes. So you you've been you've been trimming your front and your hind foot. It's taken 20 minutes or up to 20 minutes. Rather than just putting the feet down on the floor and grabbing the examiner's attention, they're going to mark them whether you're finished or not at 30 minutes. But if you ask them before, they will, if they've got, they will go and mark them. But don't go, don't put the feet down after 20 minutes and call the judge over of the examiner. Sorry. Go and put your toe bends in. Yeah. Go and put your toe bends. Go and do something else for about five minutes. And then before 100%. you get the judge or the examiner, go and have a look with fresh eyes. And this goes to the fitting stage, the nail and finish stage, you know, allow for that time to go back and check it before you commit yourself. Mm. And that's from getting the examiner to look at your foot trim to clenching the thing up at the end. Because let's face it, that's the final <clears throat> commitment phase. Once you've clenched it up, that's it, it's done. So, you know, box clever and... <clears throat> But obviously, Jonathan, <clears throat> you've done more exams than any of us here. You've done your diploma, you've done your associate, and you've done your fellowship. Yeah. Um, I don't know if you can remember that far back to your... Diploma was a long time ago, <laughs> but I've still got actually three or four of my specimen shoes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. That was all you had to make it's... back then, wasn't it? 
Diploma Diploma was uh, <laughs> 1990. Yep. And how, how did that affect you? How did you feel the pressure affected you on that day? Uh, we were quite well prepped. Alan, Alan Bailey, um, Alan Woodyatt, you know, had been tutors at, at Hereford College and um, um, Tom Wright, Tom Williams. So, uh, yeah, we we had pressure on, you know, for quite a number of days before the exam, you know, and and we felt we felt well well prepped. But I think, yeah, I think I think I had all the all of the the anxiety and the nerves and the, the that you'd expect. Um, but as far as the written, like Liam said, as far as the written went, as soon as you turn that paper over and you know where you're heading, you know, there's a confidence feeling. But sometimes, you know, you need to you need to make sure you're not just running away with that and think, yeah, I've got this. And yeah, you, you have got to set times, especially on the written. You have to be strict with that. Yeah. But sometimes an overconfident feeling that you, oh, yeah, I know, I know all of these questions and I can answer them fully. Sometimes... You, you know, a misunderstanding, you know, we, I think we've said this before, Danny, read the paper and like that, that was drilled into us, you know, read it once, read it twice, bullet point your answers, you know, and double check what you're going to want you, you know, how you're going to answer it. Cause you can't afford to misinterpret one of those questions. Well, um, in, yeah, in as far the as exam I had in the exam, I had, um, I got to the end and I thought I've done them all. I finished. I was like, oh, this this wasn't too bad. And uh, I was just reading back through the questions and checking against my notes. And um, I saw at the bottom there was a part B to question five. And I hadn't even done it. And the guy was shouting six minutes left. And so obviously <laughs> I, I went like I went like stink and um, didn't manage to get it done. But, oh, just stupid things because I got so wrapped up with doing the others. I was like, oh, yeah, that, that was a brilliant paper. Easy. And so, yeah, I think I think just, um, keep, just keep looking. <laughs> the emphasis I've had in my career, and I've been fortunate, you know, to add good advice and been around around some, uh, you know, for for all of my exams, you know, some good mentors and um, it was, you know, preparation really, like real solid preparation, and uh, also, I don't. I don't recall sort of during my maybe my fellowship I was more kind of I want to I want to get in there I want to do this that's the feeling I had for that it wasn't it wasn't oh crap I'm I'm really I'm really nervous about this I wanted to get in there you know because by that point like um we talked about today in in the van with the with my apprentice you know he 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 was saying like You've got you've got more than one shot at your associate, haven't you? But diploma really is it really is the pressure's on because you think your world is going to end if you don't if you don't yeah because AW is a choice and you're already kind of there, aren't you? Um, but yeah. your diploma, you've obviously done the four years, and obviously if you failed once already or however many times, then you really it starts ticking over on you more, and you think, oh, where, where is the end here? Because kind of gets you down in work a bit, doesn't it? Because it's, it's dragging yeah, on. Everything's so long. It's can't say as I had the same feelings when I when I when I took my associate exam. 
that I did when I did my diploma, but then I was a lot older. So, um, like I say, Danny, it was there was a fair gap between my diploma to associate, and I think, um, yeah, I think you sort of, you know, your maturity and I'd competed a fair bit as well, which, which again, one of the things we'd probably talk about later is, you know, preparation and people scrutinizing your work and competition stress as well is a, is a great, was a great help for me. Well, I mean, just to elaborate on that, I mean, again, you, you can always tell a college or any, any teaching establishment or what you can tell those who go to competitions regularly and do well, because the one thing they've got and the one thing you need for that exam is process. You know, to be, you can't just turn up at a competition and just kind of pull it out of the bag and it'll just go random and crazy. Like, you know, you've got to have a process. It's all about process. Yeah. And those people who go to competitions, a, they're not phased by people in white coats as much. They're not, they understand time limits and how to pace themselves, and they've got a process. They've got it all mapped down. Their tools all work, you know. I mean, I've seen, you know, the amount of times you turn up morning of the exam, you get the fires lit, the guys come in, and they start dressing their prituals and stamps. You're like, why are you doing this now? For my second exam, I brought in, a, I brought in two whiteboards. I brought in one whiteboard mm. to take down my measurements and the second whiteboard I hung up behind my fire and it had like six checkpoints on. And so it was like, it was just the most obvious things, stuff that you know you have mm. to do. It was just trim feet, go bump toe, do a toe bend, go back, check the fit, uh, check the trim. It was like just simple things like that. But I just had to turn around and think, have I done that? And then, And then you know you're kind of, step in in sort of the right direction to actually you know achieve what you want at the end of it i mean i've i've even seen people in the past get a bit of chalk go behind their fire and on the back of the fire write a step-by-step guide of what not to forget Mm. like trim two feet go back do toe bends go back check feet you know, and like, you know what I mean? And it sounds daft, but, you know, nah, these guys have obviously preempted. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Absolutely. You know, but one thing I will say about the shoeing competition thing is, on the whole, it is a good thing, and it's the only <clears throat> real-time simulation to kind of get that same vibe you get off an exam. However sometimes those who are very successful at competitions because they've made a name for themselves um as an apprentice champion or whatever <clears throat> and i'm not particularly going on about george rogerson here but he's a classic example <laughs> comes to exam day and the pressure's on you because you've you've been this person and you try so hard because not necessarily that you're going for honours. I mean, any any student of mine over the years knows my feelings on when when apprentices start using the word honours and I, I, I knock them down. Because the problem is, most students I know who have who've gone into that exam going, I'm going to get honours, have ended up messing themselves up and failing. Me yeah. and you had that in, in block seven. 
you, you said, well, exactly. you're, you're a son of, you're guaranteed to fail. I said, no, I'm going to get on it. And you said, oh, don't say that. And look, no, look where no, it I've, went. <laughs> well, exactly. You know, and it's, I mean, I know we've always had that standing joke yeah, about being a obviously. son of. <clears throat> to those listening who don't understand that concept, and John knows what I'm on about as well, it is a bit of a statistic now in the UK <laughs> that, that, Lads or girls, but it's, it's normally lads because you know girls um, are cooler. Yeah, and they're sensible. You say son of, but, so you've already identified that it's son of. But you should, if if there was girls as well involved in this, you'd have been sons and daughters of. But <laughs> nice try, Danny. You know I mean. Nice try. Well, uh, <laughs> but, but the fact of the matter is. It is, a, it is a statistic that are quite a few very talented sons who work and very talented dads who go into their diploma exam and try too hard and rather than just shoe the horse and pass, they're trying to prove something and the wheels fall off it and they end up making a silly mistake and they end up failing. You know, I can think of at least five off the top of my head who this has happened to, and it's just such a waste. I think we call it overcooking it, don't we? Yeah. Like you say, you um, know, trying to achieve, and, and I was going to add to that is like time management. Um, the worst thing ever when when we've been in any kind of timed um, scenario, a task. Is like get get an hour in and think, oh yeah, I'm doing all right here. You should never, yeah, you can never. Think <laughs> no, that. don't ever take your foot off the gas ever. Because you, no. Sometimes you'll think, oh, I've made my shoes and I'm I'm an hour in. Uh, you know, shoes are both made. Just then, go like stink you, you just, the whole time. You'd be like, but you just think you've got to think. Yeah, keep the keep your foot on foot down and. Um, but yeah, I I I don't know if you agree with this, Liam, but. <clears throat> Um, to achieve the sort of standard that you're you're capable of, and a lot of what we're talking about here is like you know people who are trying to achieve a very high standard. It takes time. And yeah, you've got and to it, manage it, that as well. Yeah, trying to gather it all back up is it's hard going, isn't it? But I mean, it's it's something. So obviously. You've both said, like, obviously, been obviously since we've been in conversation about doing this podcast, you've obviously been thinking and talking to people about exam stress. Well, I mean, I've been thinking about it a lot as well, and I don't think, I mean, which is probably because I'm just too laid back, but I don't think exam stress affected me in my diploma. Obviously, I did mine in the army, but in either my diploma exam or my AWCF exam. Um, and I, I know I've spoke to Chris Carroll about this in the past because he was doing the same exams as me both times. And I don't think I got my knickers in the twist, um, at all. And I, the only, the only bit I think I was nervous was when I did my diploma exam and it's something I want to talk about, um, was when I went into my theory because I knew my theory was weak. And I perhaps had not done enough to get me through that. As it was, I just scraped through by the skin of my teeth and only because I mentioned it up my mouth. Still doing that every week at college. Well, exactly. (laughs) You know, 
I think I made YouTube's two. <laughs> I made two shoes in my diploma. Fatal mistake. Like, uh, you know, well, you got, well, you need two shoes. You got two shoes. No, I made three <laughs> shoes actually because I made another oh, that's right. one. Sorry. Um, yeah. Again, the fatal mistake, and that's that's something that you reinforce is um, templates. Know what you know. Know sizes and know those feet. They're going to be tricky. Front foot that was longer than it was wider, and I made the fatal mistake of oh, you know, measuring no. the length and the width, and I was a good half inch short. So yeah, John started again. Still managed mm. to finish, but yeah. Um, I think that's that's an important part of it as well. You know, is 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 knowing your sizes and being confident with with estimation of material, whether it be dispelling myths of whether you can take templates into an exam or the rest of it. But there's no better feeling than knowing ex- that you, yeah, if you cut fourteen on. inches, that it's going to be the right size for that horse. You know. I mean, and you just hit nail on the head there, myths. I, again, over the years, I've heard so many people, be it lecturers or just ATFs or even apprentices, sort of trying to hold court and tell these people who are getting ready to do exams, oh, yeah, but you won't be able to do this, you won't be able to... At the end of the day, and Liam knows as well, one of the first things I say to apprentices when they start their four-year course is go on to the virtual company of farriers website look at the diploma part of the examination on the website and read everything because all you you. over the next four years it's all on there it's in black and white you know you're now embarking on a voyage for four years this is the end game i've heard all sorts mate they're like oh you can't take a time piece in sorry hang on and when they get to block eight, which is two weeks before the exam, I always turn around to him and I say, so who's had a look at that website? And you'll probably get about two out of 10, put their hands up. Yeah. You know, it's like, it's it's so useful. It actually is. Well, maybe maybe it's an army thing, but you don't go into battle without doing reconnaissance. You know, if I, if I do anything, I want to know what I'm walking into. You know, and it just it makes something so simple. It's there. You you click on your phone. Most of us spend most of our lives on our phones anyway. You click on a button and it will tell you everything you can and can't do on the day. But like John was saying, you know, I've heard lots of people saying you can't take a timepiece in, you can't take a stop clock in, you can't do this, you can't do that. And if it's not in the rules, then it's not a rule. And you can take a stop clock in. You can take a whiteboard to write down your measurements so they're nice and clear and concise, etc. You can take templates in as long as they're not. You can get yeah, templates in in the in the exam when you start. As long as they're out of the room, you know you can. And again, there's nothing to say that you can't do that. But it's no, it's no. been it's been inflated in all these myths that you can't do that, and you know you can only no. drink water. I've heard that one. Oh, you can only drink water. You can't take because I say well. Take a take an energy drink or an isotonic drink, you know. Nail a couple um, of tinnies. Do what you want. I take you said isotonic. I thought you said gin and tonic. Oh, <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. That's after. <laughs> but but you know, and it's it's kind of like, um, it yeah. You hear all these myths, and it just 
it was no need for it. And why, you know, if, if people don't know what is required, then don't preach because templates, another big one, you know, like you said, John, if you, if you go with a 13 inch shoe and you put it on the foot before the exam start and it's, and it fits and you know, you've got to cut 13 inches. And if you've got a set way of making shoes and don't do anything stupid, like try and put two inches in the jump, two inches into the toe, that shoe's going to fit. And if not, you can make it fit. Yeah. But again, and I always harp on the students about making templates. A, the templates are practicing the shoes you need to make for the exam, and it will take away all the guesswork, etc. But again, the amount who do not bother to do it is it's outstanding. It, 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 yeah, it, it's it's so simple as well because you're making them at college the whole time. Like it's it's just really easy and it's so helpful because you don't. If you do them all in blockade as well, you can just leave them by a forge literally until they say get them out, and you can take them all out. Mm. Actually, for my associate, because I'd I'd heard one of the myths of not taking templates in, and I thought well, I'm not going to take a big bag of shoes in. I got some. Um, transparent card and um drew round i made a straight bar shoe that was 16 inches drew round it a straight bar shoe that was 17 inches drew round it and a straight bar shoe that was 18 inches so then i knew that i knew that i could just hold this transparent card over the foot and i'd got pretty much a good a good template in that you know so that and i knew that there was no way that's a great that idea going to be stopped from do, from doing that you know so even if you don't want to carry loads of shoes just 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 draw an outline shape of a 13 inch shoe on a on a piece of transparent card mm, that's a great idea actually. i actually didn't thought of that yeah good one yeah give, mm-hmm. give you that one well i was yeah, i was just thinking um as much as you want to be prepared, I, I think it's so important to, um, I didn't obviously learn this until second time around. I got pretty obsessed with the whole diploma and wanting it to be done and do well. And But actually the second time around, I, because I felt like I was kind of ready for it anyway from the first one, from putting the work in, I, I took a bit of a back seat with it and uh, it took a bit of a back seat. And so I started like doing other things, started trying to enjoy things outside of just shoeing horses, which I think really helps kind of take the edge off and you, you just relax a bit more from, well, I think you can overdo the again. practice. I've seen uh, that. I've seen 100%. that happen a lot of times. Yeah. And, yeah. and especially to, at, at an associate level as well, um, you over you can overcook your practice. So you, you actually phys- so physically knackered, right? Well, and that's the other thing. The the people doing the higher exams are nine times out of ten trying to run a full-time business and by that stage of their life bring up a family and, you know, do all all that normal stuff and practice for an exam. So, yeah, I mean, that's one surefire way to get burnout for sure. Well, speaking of burnout, I, I can vividly remember after our first diploma, we all went out for beers, as you do. And we went straight out for one um, in the afternoon. You didn't when we invite me. Where we did, actually. But oh. And, you know, Dean came uh, and Matt came, but someone didn't. 
Um, I was being I was being professional. Yeah, nice first time for everything. That's beginner <laughs> beginner's luck. That is. Um, yeah, we went for a beer and then we all went and got showered. Anyway, we went back out into town at about eight o'clock and quarter to eleven. We'd all call the taxi to go in because we just we just had to go back home and go to sleep. Everyone just knackered. There was like nothing left in us, and I think that just shows how hard everyone had like worked and how much you kind of commit into this. So it's yeah. a lot to be taken out of you. So I think taking a breather from it, leading up to the exam, is probably a good way to just kind of relax it. Well, good. I, well, one of my mentors. You know, before before my associate exam, I'd practiced a lot. You know, um, practical and the- theory. But he he said, John, take the weekend off. Like your exams on Tuesday. If you have a, if you're not prepped by Friday, you're not, you're not gonna be. You're not, yeah, you're not gonna be. So take the weekend off. You know, eat well and sleep well and uh, get ready for it. And uh, that that yeah. that was good advice. It's solid so, advice. I think that is. Yeah, because I see guys, you know, forging the day before their exam. They're forging hard. Oh yeah, yeah, we're going to we're going to go go and take the exam tomorrow. And you think, well, what are you going to do? Like cramming, cramming, any in any way, like either theoretical or, right. or you know, or or if you, yeah. don't, if you don't know, if you don't know it the day before, you ain't going to know it the next day. You know, it's. No. It's, I don't know. I did. So again, that comes back <laughs> to the physical, physical stress side of it. You know, you're stressing your body more than you need to be doing, and you know, with all that, the next day you're going to sort of more likely cramp and uh, things like that. So, it's hard. It's mm. it's a it's definitely the toughest thing I've ever done in my life, mentally and physically. It absolutely rocked me when I failed. I was just, oh, kind of virgin on depression, I guess. And I, I have no idea why, because once the six months were up, it it was like it never even happened. And now I've been qualified, what, just over six. And um don't even think about it, well, until I get asked to do a podcast no. on it. Um, <laughs> dragging up all those memories. Get ready for the next one then. Highest. Yeah, well, yeah, well, def- and, definitely. And, and that is that is exactly what I'm doing at the moment. I'm starting to think about working towards that. So, well, it's funny, you know, t- t- thinking about exam stress today. Like I said earlier, I don't think in any of the two exams I've done previously that I've got stressed. And the key thing there with both exams, I mean, the practical being my strongest part. Both of the practical exams for me. Both went wrong at some point during the process. But because I wasn't stressed, because I was cool as a cucumber, um, I managed to kind of fix that problem. You know, and both were sort of measurement sort of like related. Um, but I managed to fix the problem with a clear head, sort the problem out and pass with a good practical mark. Um <clears throat> But obviously moving forward, again, doing, getting ready and starting to think about doing my fellowship, which again, I've been thinking about for a very long time, but 
and this is sort of leading on to sort of like um, exam stress with higher exams with a lot of people, is although your livelihood's not on the line, and especially if you've put your head above the parapet during your Farry career and be it on social media or as a college lecturer or as a competition farrier, you do run the risk of in the back of your head, you start thinking, hang on a minute, I'm going to do this exam. I don't need to do the exam, but I want to do the exam. But if I fail it, there's a lot of people out there going to go, but it's useless, you know, or they're going to laugh at you, stuff like that. You know, there's a lot of people just wanting to see people fall from their perch, you know? Yeah. Um, And and I, I do see this a lot with some quite high profile farriers or certainly people I've got a lot of respect for, for what they've done. And they won't do their higher exams. And I think some of that might be the whole thing of like, well, it'd be great if I pass, but if I fail, ugh, everyone's going to mock me or whatever, you know? Mm. And I just, I think with, with, with the exams, failure is, is, it's not an option because failure is not actually a thing. Again, I was talking to people uh, recently who are thinking about that. I'm in an hour and about whether to do their associate exam. And I said, well, I've heard good things about it. I've heard bad things about it. And I said, yeah, the, the only people you've heard bad things are people who've not done the exam. Yeah. You won't find anyone who sat, for example, their associate exam slagging off the associate exam. And do you know what? Was good. Was good associates. Was some just got over the line associates. But anyone you talk to who went and done a higher exam, you ask them, "Are you better now than before you started that journey to do the exam?" In fact, even people who fail it, I've spoke to, and they keep having an up. They keep going for it, but they all say, "I've learnt more about horseshoe in the last year getting ready for my exam than I have for the rest of it." And in fact, I've spent the last 10 years or 20 years shoeing horses with the handbrake on. Yeah. yeah. You know, it's all part of the voyage. And, and don't I think you find like you... when you fail, um, you, you have to reassess where you went wrong, whether it was stress or if it's something you're doing every day or it, it, all these things up in your head. And if you break it down and you start kind of working through them and ironing out all these problems one by one, by the time you come to retake it or any exam for that instance, you're going to be better for it because you've actually thought about what you've done. Whereas you might get people who just kind of glide through exams and don't have to take a second guess at their work. So it's, I think it's, I think like you said though, Danny, it's the journey getting there. And somebody said to me Mm -hmm. before my associate that the most respect you'll get for taking your higher exams are from other people who've taken or, um, achieved it, go or even participated in the exam, like the you know, and I think that's true. Every every person who's embarked on their associate, will always they'll always help, show a helping hand to anyone else who's who wants to take it, you know. And they'll never Absolutely. ever they'll never ever slag it off because they they know where they were before it and they know where they ended up. And you know, it it it, it doesn't matter what those five questions are that you get but you've got to pretty much prepare yourself for any question about any 
any ailment as a farrier or uh, the or you know or or area of anatomy and detail you know and that's that's quite an undertaking you know to prepare yourself for that just controversial statistic here so i've just been looking at some statistics while we're going there is a, again a statistical abnormality with um people who pass their diploma with honors and the fact that statistically most of them don't go forward to do their associate it's quite interesting um mm. but again moving on then so you know we've, we've talked a lot about different sort of exam experiences and you know what causes the stress i mean i do think and it's funny we i know we were talking earlier about this um and it uh jonathan and we're talking about failure um and you know there's a lot of negative sort of like motivation you find you know and it's not so much nowadays but it certainly has been a thing in the past with people trying to motivate their apprentices their students things like that with negatives yeah, and yeah. that's just never a good thing i mean there's mm -hmm. been pretty old school count it was the amount of instructors lecturers and especially ATFs who've turned around and said, well, you better pass this because there's not a job here for you um, if you don't, you know. I hear that a lot. That's... And, uh, <coughs> yeah, yeah, go on, carry on. No, you carry on, John. Um, <clears throat> I've been I've been kind of end point for one or two, uh, either, I wouldn't say failing apprentices because they're not, I don't like that, I don't like that term. <clears throat> um and they're not underachievers, they're high achievers, but they just, they just, uh, they've had a bad run on the day or, <clears throat> or they've not had the preparation beforehand to sort of take them through it. But, you know, there's definitely not underachievers and they're not, definitely not failed, failed apprentices, you know, but they you know, like that, that negative, <clears throat> negative, um, if you don't pass, yeah, the if you don't pass this, not going to be a job. I don't want this on my ticket because I'll have to have a, I'll have to have a, um, a review, you know, et cetera, et cetera. And that, yeah, that's really not a good, a good vibe to give an apprentice before he's, he or she are going for an exam. But yeah, it just um, adds pressure on top of pressure, doesn't it? it something's got to give. <laughs> a seal's going to go at that point because yeah, yeah, you, sh you should never kind of push people into that situation because you've got them in a corner there because you then have the worry of thinking, well, if I do fail, I've got to start looking for someone else. And, and, I, th and I think from experience, I've had quite a few apprentices and I've had quite a few um, that have joined me sort of part way through or even for the last six months. And um, it takes people, to, it takes people a bit longer sometimes to sort of get over that way to cope with to cope with the exam in preparation but you know yes, five six years yeah. it, you know <clears throat> it doesn't make them bad farriers at the end of it and That's as we cool. know as we know like like you say we know a lot of farriers relatives or family members who've not achieved their exam the first time and um gone on to be really really good farriers and they were before they took it, you know, they're just, just passing that endpoint assessment or, you know, it's, 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 uh, it doesn't, it, 
doesn't mean say you're a bad farrier just because you you didn't get it first time. Thanks, John. No, Thanks, John. Absolutely. <laughs> I like that one. You know, it means that's, you're be- that's the best line means- so far. But it does mean you're a bad farrier when you leave three quarters of an inch of bark left <laughs> on the tree. <laughs> <laughs> But see, and there's the key thing, you know, I mean, and again, I know we talked about this briefly before we started, but, you know, from my role, you know, obviously we spoke to Jonathan about, well, we'll speak to Jonathan in a minute about being an examiner. We've all, we've all spoke about it from the student's point of view or the examinee point of view. My role as a college lecturer or someone who's facilitating exams, I've had students for four years and whether I like them or not, you know, you do start, you do feel responsible for them and you do take them under your wing. And there's nothing worse than seeing these poor little ducks turn up on the day and all of a sudden everything positive or negative about their personality has suddenly, they've left it in the car and they're just like, just lost sheep and the whole world's falling out the backsides and you're just like, oh God. Not only have I got to get you through exams, but I actually really genuinely feel sorry for you. And, you know, from my point of view, yes, I've got to try and put their minds at rest and try and get them to focus on something other than what the negatives they are focusing on. You know, and sometimes the best way to do that is crack a joke, have a bit of humor, have a bit of banter, I believe they call it. Um, But, you know, sometimes that's for me, I've, when I feel that I need to intervene, sometimes you do run the risk because you might make them worse. I'm not a psychiatrist, believe it or not. Um, But, you know, sometimes you can just say the wrong thing and completely send them off, off the radar. I mean, luckily that's not happened too often. Um, I can think of one who nearly went down that route, but you know, is is a big responsibility because, you know, you want to give them every opportunity to go into that exam and be able to prove themselves that they are competent at shoeing horses. And that's all they've got to do. But then they bring all these negatives in sometimes, and you're like, it's not fun to sit back and watch that. I mean, how do you feel as an examiner, John? Obviously, you've examined quite a bit now, certainly at diploma level. What do you, you know, and let's face it, some of them people in that room you'll know as well. Oh, yeah, yeah. you you, You can tell when a student's like not normally like that. I mean, I know examiners come up and speak to me sometimes as a college lecturer and say, is he normally like that? Or is she normally like that? And then, uh, and then no, to add insult, um, insult to injury, you tell them that they can't wear the Kirkart t-shirt in an exam and they've got to turn it inside out. <laughs> oh, just, yeah, to exactly. make, just to make them even more nervous. <laughs> and then an examiner goes up and says, no, mate, you know, you've got your t-shirt on inside out. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> it, I, I think, um, yeah, I see it. I see it. You know, the sweats, the the shaking, and you know, the in- inability to speak. You know, on the trot up, you know, you you try and get some words out of them, and you know, in an oral exam as well. I was uh, I was saying to Brad, my apprentice today. You know, what's the most nerve wracking aspect of the exam? You know, a lot of people find that the oral's pretty rough you know you've got to speak to speak to a farrier about your shoe board and some some guys are yeah you know, i've sat in exams where they, they're struggling to get the words out even you know and ha- and then the important thing to 
remember is examiners are there to f to find out what information you have you know it's really difficult if someone's so nervous that they can't even yeah. speak because you can't get any information out out of them and you want you want to know what they know and so you you're putting questions to them to try and draw out their specific interest you know so with a shoe board i might say oh tell me about that shoe what can you what can so if i've got someone's really nervous you know you might let them lead lead the beginning of the conversation and tell me about their favorite shoe on the board you know or something like that but yeah, it's... I mean, I mean, I mean, for me, I mean, going about the oral there, I mean, I've always looked at the oral as being the easy part because, like you say, them examiners, they will draw information out of you and you're just <clears> talking about it. You're not having to just write about it and write an essay about it. They're asking you about, they're asking you a question. You just got to speak to them. But I was finding it more increasingly watching the students go through that process, but they were finding it harder and harder to deal with it luckily and yes on the lead up to the exams we would run them through some practice orals and they'd go and do do a bit of alan woodjat and stuff like that in the classroom which was great but they weren't doing it till the end of their apprenticeship and luckily i mean i know when dean bland came to work with us who's a great lecturer and one of the things that absolutely but dean picked up on this straight away and said well hang on a minute at the end of each block every six months we do a written paper a written assessment sorry and a practical assessment why aren't we doing oral assessments so right from the start of their apprenticeship from block one onwards we always do and we run it the same way as they do on the virtual company exam obviously block one the answers are a lot easier because they're based on what we've taught them, you know, but, you know, we'll go through the shoe board side of it. You know, we'll ask them questions, even on basic shoes, you know, why is it concave? What does that inside border do? You know, so they've got the basics and they're used to being in that situation. And something I, I'm sure you was part of this. I, I was, um, it, when, it was introducing like block six for me and it, it helped no end. Yeah. And you said you were going to start the, the, from earlier on and, was you there when I did the theory pre-diploma clinic where we'd got a group in doing our end of blocks and I got you guys? Oh, uh, yeah. Um, I sat in with another, another lad on, um, it was Dex block actually, wasn't it? So they're in what block? They're on, yeah, they're on right. college now, block six, aren't they? Mm. Yeah. But again, watching those guys come in and watching them fluff it up because obviously nerves and watching them get there was a lot of take-home having us sat in there that. yeah mm. well, it's, i think it's probably so... important to note with the the new apprenticeship now the epa and uh, case studies i think they've got to build a portfolio of evidence using it as well haven't they so this is going to be a yeah. big part of the um the new epa is um being able to present a case study and talk about it i i think that's a fantastic idea when it, when i heard about the new apprenticeship scheme i was a bit skeptical about the whole thing because traditions and all that and everyone else has done it this way but i the idea of a case study i think is oh such a good idea i'd have been really interested in doing something like that because you, you can specifically like um tailor it to your business or your atf's business can't you 
and you you can yeah, find something yeah. that's always interested you or really got on your nerves and surely people will excel with that because it's given it's in your hands so you can run free with it love yeah, and that. i think that's going to that be idea. part of the end point assessment isn't it am i right danny yeah absolutely well part of the gateway into doing the endpoint assessment yeah you know they'll have to they'll have to have all that to be able to go through um but obviously uh, well and certainly another podcast i'm, I'm planning on doing uh, i know he's moving house at the moment i was actually going to do one with cliff barnes to talk about the new apprenticeship um and how oh, it's going to roll good. out etc yeah so um but he did say he would do that i know he's just moving houses he's eloping up to scotland um but just another one on the exam itself and again it's a question that i get asked time time again leading up to the exam is do you know who our examiners are yeah. um but the key thing with that i mean sometimes yes i know who the examiners are only because I know a lot of them anyway, not that they've told me, but sometimes you can work it out through process of elimination. But anyone who's listening out there, it doesn't matter who your examiners are because they're all marking you from the same standard. They have standard setting days. Just because one of them's got a theory on foot balance and they're <laughs> shoeing everyday horses. Don't go and they... look on their Instagram and think you're going to get any... <laughs> Any oh, exactly. answers of what they're going to like in the exam? No, exactly. It, it, it no, literally makes no odds. We all wanted to know. Just it's some of it's for peace of mind, I think, because it's the unknown. It, it just adds to the stress of it. But um, yeah, it really doesn't matter, uh, does it? Everyone's there. Everyone wants you to pass, and that is the truth. I don't think yeah, anyone wants that, I mean, to that, fail yeah, you. Yeah, that's that's what standardisation is. For. For and the the training days that examiners go through, you know what what they do in their personal life, you know, if I, and I've heard this again, is like as soon as someone sees sees you know examiner's car in the hotel car park, or they find out the day before, oh yeah, you know we've got so and so, you know they're looking on their Insta and Facebook and and yeah he likes lots of length, you know let's you know we've got a, it doesn't I mean that doesn't make any difference. I'm, no, absolutely. And like, you know, I, I mean, I've seen it time and time because I think pretty, I've, I've probably witnessed every single actual examiner out there examining and they, and you know, I've, I've seen it. They are all looking for the same thing. And the other thing is the way the system's set out with an examiner and a senior examiner and the mark beyond the um, tablet marking scheme they use, if they, for example, look at a foot prep and for example it's scored differently but if, if one gives it an eight and the other one gives it a five it's going to flag up on the computer system and then they've got to have that conversation about it yeah yeah you know they can't go giving different marks like that it doesn't work i think it's we've talked about like this up. on the on your training days as well you know even during the exam yeah yeah that there's a rare occasion where someone will be stopped if it's you know in the interest of the horse's welfare doesn't happen very often at all but no. you know if you're asked to not put a toenail in it it's not necessarily end off you know no, it's a very special circumstances if if uh, an examiner does say 
yeah, we think you should leave the outside toenail in or yeah, out. Perhaps, or the, perhaps just a bit know. coarse or anything like that. Just simple things, mistakes that happen, aren't they? But people are fair. Examiners seem That's, to be pretty fair. Yeah, and 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 yeah, they want they want to they want to see you pass. They're there to sort of find out what you know and what you can do and what your capabilities are. And if you're ready to go out there in the world and shoe horses for a living, you know, that's what we're there to assess. You know, are you are you capable? Are you a safe horseshoer? And that's that's it. You know, it's simple as that. I, I think a point to put across um, is in both exams. I, I know, obviously, you say it's not done on preference; it's done on a standard. But I think things can help you. So I asked both times. Uh, how they'd like the frog trimmed because I think that is a personal sort of preference so some people just like to leave the top and give it a wire brush and I think that helps sell your nerves a bit because you just think oh well if I just do that and that then that's easy just just touch the sides nice and clean no issues and then you can move on from it you're not panicking thinking oh should I take a sliver off here and start mm. stripping it bare no I'll tell you I'll I totally agree with you. That's a, it's a good start. I don't think it's any good asking, you know, an examiner in that situation. Oh, how do you, how do you want me to trim the frog? But I mean, certainly, if if there's a flap hanging off, you could. There's nothing wrong with going and saying, "Can I cut this off?" I didn't yeah. see it at the beginning. Yeah, you know, and the yeah, examiner well, would say, "Well, yeah, if if you feel it's necessary, take it off." You it, know, it, and, in my first one, um. I had a completely uh, new frog underneath. The, the whole frog just literally peeled away and I was left with an immaculate one underneath I was. So I got pretty lucky there. <laughs> yeah. Gave it a yeah. wire brush. All went to your head from that point. Yeah, and, and then from there on. Um, <laughs> <laughs> well, um, uh, I mean, and the key thing is, if you do fail... Is not to kind of, I mean, nobody likes to fail and it is a sucker punch to the chest, but it's there's no point failing if you're not going to turn it into a, a learning outcome because you, you either failed because you made a silly mistake or you failed because you didn't know enough. Yeah. And, you know, the only way you're going to pass it is by rectifying the problem or setting up things so you don't make that same silly mistake again that's a so really obviously... big point there Danny. I, I think that's that's great because um you do spend i think if you do fail you generally kind of you almost feel hard done by don't you because you think like why why because you, you can't look back on it can you or anything like that and then actually once you kind of accept that well it was obviously something i did you kind of move on a bit faster don't you and you, you just want to better yourself from that point on so I like that. Mm. Yeah. Um, Was it? So, don't be afraid. Just, don't be afraid to fail. Be more afraid not to try. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, it's you know, like... Words of wisdom from Papa John. <laughs> um, right. So, obviously, we're going a bit of a while now. So, just to finish up on, anyone got any sort of like ideas or techniques or stuff they use themselves to try and combat this exam stress? Or any advice to try and make things easier? Well, when I, when I was going for my second one, you know, I said I started to have a hobbies. Uh, I actually did yoga. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, you can laugh all you want. It helped massively. Just, um, mm. just really took the edge off. You kind of just focus on your breathing a bit more. Still do a bit now yeah. as well. Just it's good for your mind and your soul. And I, it was actually a really good one. 
kind of mocks the idea to start with, but no, it's good. Listen to uh, listen to a bit of soothing music beforehand. People do that. Daft as it sounds, yeah. rescue rescue remedy. I know, yeah, rescue I know remedy. Guys have tried that, but what I would say is, um, if you're gonna if you're gonna try the rescue remedy or think that you can double dose on on something that's going to be a you know a herbal kind of nerve calmer give it a try before you do it (laughs) yeah well two things two things there make sure it's over the counter and don't do drugs kids yeah nice yeah funny enough you you save you say that but one of the most common things you see as these students walk or, or candidates walk into the exam is they are mainlining energy drinks. Oh no! So, yeah. you know, you know they've got their protein bars. They're putting out some Pro Plus, and they've literally got Red Bull giving them wings in an intravenous drip straight into the heart. <laughs> you know, there's which always a is consequence. The worst, absolutely. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. You know, lay off, yeah. lay off sugar followed by downs. Cut that probably a bit of sugar a... out. That's a good one. Hmm. Yeah. yeah, yeah, you get you get a dependency on on the and you always crash. Drinks, don't you? You always crash. Yeah, I yeah. think I think it's good uh, good to add that um, if anyone does feel stressed out or worried about the exam, that just just talk to people about it because you don't want to get into. It's so many people are there for you. So many people have been through, haven't they? It's it's not a big deal. I think the more times you can put yourself into a situation, so like I know. You, you you do lots of pre diploma prep, Danny. Um, but how many how many candidates in their own time actually do time? You know they'll go and say, right, I'm going to do a I'm going to do a timed exercise here, or I'm going to, yeah. You know, the boss gives them a question to answer and actually actually answer it, or two two questions a night. You know, in in half an hour per question, you know, and give yourself well, I mean, that situation, you know. And that's the secret, certainly to that theory side of it, is exam practice. I mean, how many people up until the exam itself actually sit there for two hour, two and a half hours straight writing? I never even did that when I was at school. No, I didn't. And if, and if you do just go into exam and try writing for two and a half hours, A, you're not going to be able to write much, and B, your arm's going to fall off, and you need that for the practical few days later you know so you got you got to train for it you got to train for all it you got to prepare and same with the practical you got to prepare you got to have the right tools your tools got to work you've got to have spares yeah i mean i know it's something you know i think the certainly with the practical exam for me personally is something i'm quite passionate about but i'm passionate about giving my can or my students candidates the best tools as in physical tools to actually go and pass this first time. And I, I know I, I did with one of the exam run-ups last year, a bit whole series on YouTube of silly little videos w- with little tips, you know, like even how to set up your workstation so you're not falling over everything. Because, and I, I remember someone put a comment on one of the videos I put on about um, setting up your tool station, you know, where what to put on the bench, where to put it in relation to the anvil. And it is silly, basic stuff. And someone even commented on it going, oh, well, that's five minutes of my life. I'm never going to get back. <laughs> having, watched, having watched as many exams as I've seen, and I've seen some of the best candidates, some of the best students I've ever had the privilege to talk, 
not even be able to open their toolbox on exam day because the nerves have got on top of them, you know, and it's, it's just giving them as much information to kind of get them through this or certainly get them through these little silly things which actually get in the way. I think, I think that's really an important point as well. It's like prep of not only in the practical setting out your tools, but in the, in the, in the theory, so having the right tools. So, you know, your coloured pencils and... Oh, yeah, but with the coloured pencils, pens and... can I just start with the coloured pencils? I'd have a pack of maximum sort of 10. Don't, don't get any more colours than that because otherwise you start just doing colouring in. I took about six crayons in because what you need like a red, a blue, a green. Uh, that's about it. So yeah, yeah. There's, there's no point messing around with that. But setting out your I tools, like, setting out your tool table and sort of knowing where everything is because there's nothing worse than halfway in and thinking, ah, oh, where's my where's my stamp? And then yeah. you're going to have to root in your toolbox and find your stamp and, you know, all those things I, take time. And I taped together um, a stamp and pritchard that was set up for sort of each size. So I had like a four to five, five to six, six to seven. And I taped them individually. So when I knew I had them all out on the table, um, and then as soon as I'd measured the foot up, because obviously you get a bit of time to clean the foot up and that, measured it up, just put the tools that I didn't need back in the box. And obviously you've got them set ready and they're color coded. So one for the sort of fuller that I had and one for the concave. The colors are a big thing again. So, I mean, um, I mean, I'll, 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 in the show description for anyone listening, I will, I will put some links to some really good YouTube videos on obviously exam preparation and different techniques and stuff. The other thing I will put um, in the show description, which I think is really, really important for anyone doing any of the exams, if they've not already looked, which they probably haven't, is the link to the Worship Company page. Again, go on the Worship Company of Farriers page, look at the exam you're doing and everything, you know, like everything in in the modern world nothing's done officially without it being written down chapter and verse all the do's and don'ts for your pill procedures the timings how the exam runs i mean if i'm going into my fellowship exam for example and i've read it over and over and over again over the last few years i want to know how the exam is broken down what am i doing on what day what's the chain of events you know, from me arriving at the exam centre, what am I going to be doing? Where do I go? I need to know that, you know, and if you know that, you can deal with it and it's one less thing to worry about. Yeah, I think that's a good point. And marking guides and awarded marks for each section and knowing knowing Absolutely. sort of where, you, where your marks stand, what's important, you know, how many marks per question. Well, you st- you start on top marks and everything, don't you? That's how it works. You can only lose marks. So as long, yeah, as, you're, yeah. as long as you're ready and just keep those marks together. Yeah. Uh, I'd just like to point out for anyone listening to Liam there, don't just hand in a blank sheet of paper because <laughs> you'll get your <laughs> poire. <laughs> but anyway, I think we better wrap this up now because... I need to go and make some food for my family. Yeah, no, I'm um, hungry. Um, but thank you very much for joining me. Thanks, um, Danny. Thank yeah, you. Th- thanks, Dave. Thanks, John. It's been, it's it's been al- a pleasure. It's always, 
it's always good to have these little informal chats about stuff and hopefully people listening might be able to learn something and not actually end up in that situation so yeah. good luck Excellent. good luck to everyone but remember it's all right it doesn't matter what happens you get there it's all good well exactly because one thing is if you do fail you'll go to bed and you'll wake up the next morning and the world will still be spinning <laughs>